Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you're here. We pray that you will be blessed by this message and that God will impact your hearts. Let's listen in. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Great. I love it. Okay, a little excitement. That's good. But I will say, uh, I do think, I've been here 10 years. My name is Alan. I'm the missions pastor. Been here 10 years. I do think that is my favorite bumper we have ever done. I don't know about you guys, but I love the beach. Anybody else love the beach? Yeah? Okay. All right. Got a few other campuses. I see a few hands. How about that? Uh, Anybody uh, like the mountains? Anybody a mountain fan? Okay. Can you like both? I like, there it is, I like both, I like both. So uh, we like uh, hanging out at both of them. They're both, both favorites, so they're both fun. Um, but again, uh, we're excited that everybody has joined us this morning. Maybe you're at the lake, maybe you're at the beach, or wherever you're at, thanks so much for checking us out uh, here today. Uh, I know I'm excited about continuing our series uh, through the book of the Minor Prophets. Uh, we've been doing that uh, last week. Pastor Jonathan kicked us off, and then today we're gonna be looking at the book of Jonah. So if you guys have your Bibles, y'all can go ahead and turn there. Uh, For those who don't know me again, my name is Alan, I'm the missions pastor here. Uh, Here is a picture of my family. This is my beautiful wife, Allison, and my kids, Nora, Drake, and crew. Um, And this is like, you know, the picture that you post on Instagram that it makes it look like you might have your life together and all that kind of stuff, you know? Uh, But this picture right here happened literally two seconds after and I'm not sure what's going on, but I think my kid wanted to see the inside of my eyeballs. And so, um, but I just try to be real, you know I mean? We're not perfect and we don't expect you guys to be uh, either. Um, But a question I have for you guys to kick us off with today is, is there anything, or excuse me, do you ever not want to do something that you know you need to do? Is there anything in your life right now that you know you need to do that you just don't want to do it? right? It could be the dishes, you know, you're like, man, it was the weekend, we just want, didn't want to do the dishes, you know, maybe you let the dishes pile up, I don't know. Or maybe there's a, like a garage you need to clean out, maybe a closet you need to clean out, or maybe you have friends coming over today or tomorrow and you got to clean up the yard, you got to do laundry, you got to do all these things, right? I mean, there's a lot of things we think, you know, we got to do that we just sometimes don't want to do. How about this? Have you ever asked your kid to like help you clean up? Like, and most of the time, it's just their toys. You're like, you know what? There's 12 toys right here. Can you help me clean up? I don't know if your kids are like mine. Mine, like, literally somehow gained 20 pounds, you know? And they're like, oh, no, I can't do it. You know, it's like their arms don't work either. They're trying to pretend like they don't know how to pick stuff up. Well, here's the deal. I know exactly you can do that because I've seen you guys at Easter egg hunts. I mean, you've seen this, right? Thousands of Easter eggs in this field, 100 kids. I mean, you say, race, set, go. Within 30 seconds, everything is picked clean, You know, I mean, you can't hide that. We know what's going on, all right? But today, in the book of Jonah, we're gonna be looking at his story of when he was called to go somewhere and he didn't really want to go. And the book of Jonah is a little bit different than the other minor prophets because most of the other prophets, God has a word that he speaks through them and they're telling other people. But Jonah here, we're gonna see his story. It's more of a narrative and we're gonna kind of follow his story this morning. So if you guys have your Bibles, you can turn there or you can even check it out on the screen. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amnitai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish for a, for, to flee from the Lord. So we see God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, but he doesn't go. He goes to Tarshish, which is the exact opposite direction. 
And this is not like when, when we put our like destination into our GPS, you know, and it kind of gives us a bunch of different routes. I know just the other day we went on a trip and this is what uh, I put in my GPS and it gives me these options. It says you can go, you know, the six hour route, seven hour route or the eight hour route. Now I don't know at what age you start saying, you know what, that eight hour route sounds pretty good. Like, I don't know when that happens, because man, I got three kids, I mean, they're screaming in the back, right? I mean, we're running out of snacks, the iPad's about to die, we're trying to get there as fast as possible. If I have to go through someone's front yard, I'm gonna get there, right? A couple months ago, I was up here preaching, and I said that my love language is efficiency, and literally, I've had like 20 people say, hey man, I remember when you said that. I was like, what did I talk about that day? They're like, I don't know, but you said your love language is efficiency. So, it is true though, I mean, I do, I do, if we can get it done fast, I'm all about that, all right? But this is not what Jonah did. Jonah went the opposite direction of where God had called him. And funny enough, he was trying to get away from God. And so why do we think he was doing this? A couple reasons maybe why he might have been uh, fleeing from where God had called him to go. Number one, Nineveh was one of the biggest cities of that time. Maybe he was scared. He didn't want to deal with crowds. I think another thing, he might have been nervous about the people. I mean, what if he goes and God calls him to say something and the people don't like it? I mean, they could hurt him or kill him or, I mean, it could be bad, right? But I think the real reason why he didn't wanna go is what scholars point out and we're gonna unpack today is he didn't want the people of Nineveh to have God's grace. He knew how bad they were and he thought they deserved it. So he went the other direction away from the Lord's presence. So do we ever do this ourselves? Go away from maybe where God is calling us to go. And I have conversations with people about this all the time. And so often people are like, but Alan, listen, man, I'm not like a pastor like you, man. I don't really have that calling on my life. And I, I tell everyone, well, listen, the Great Commission has called all of us to go. Doesn't matter, matter, doesn't, doesn't matter if you're a, a pastor or whatever you might be doing, we've all been called to go and tell other people and make disciples. And even just this week, I saw um, this post in uh, Pastor Jonathan, he mentioned this in the podcast. He said, everybody is called to do something and God has uniquely gifted us to do something that only we can do. We all have a calling in our life. We all have something or, or some situation in our life that, that we are called to go to. So my first question is, is there someone or somewhere you're being called to go? Maybe there's somewhere or something God is calling you to go, but we're just trying to run the other direction. So back to the story. Next, while on the boat, they get into a terrible storm. The sailors are praying to their gods. Nothing's happening. Meanwhile, Jonah's below deck. He's falling asleep. He's also being lazy here because he's not helping out with everyone else. The captain has to come wake him up, asks him to pray to his God, trying to figure out what's going on. The sailors then start casting lots, trying to figure out whose fault is this. It's like a form of gambling, but it actually falls to Jonah. And so they ask Jonah, like, what are you doing here? Why are you on this boat? And he told them that he was fleeing from the Lord. We see this in verse nine. He says, I am a Hebrew. I worship Yahweh, the God of heavens, who made the sea and dry land. And the men were afraid and asked what he had done. And they knew he was fleeing from the Lord because he had told them. So Jonah then tells them to throw him into the sea. He's like, well, just go ahead and throw me into the sea. That might calm this storm. They were hesitant and pleaded with God not to hold them accountable. And so I think about this, you know, in reading this story, if you've ever read the book before, you're like, you know what, maybe Jonah's kind of turning a new leaf. Like maybe he's gonna take one for the team right here. 
But again, this is not like a noble gesture. What he's really trying to do is trying to, to, to hurt himself. He's, saying, he's thinking, man, I can't get there. Maybe if I just jump out of the boat, maybe I'll die. Or maybe something else will happen and I won't have to go to where God is calling me to go. So they threw him overboard and the sea stopped and the men feared the Lord, even, and, excuse me, they feared the Lord and even sacrificed to him and turned to him. So we see despite Jonah, not listening, despite Jonah going the wrong direction, and even despite Jonah being selfish right here, God still gets the glory. And this is where some of us have probably heard the story where now uh, God appoints a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And while on the belly of the fish, chapter two, Jonah prays about how God will help those in need and how he will help Jonah while he's down. And it kind of culminates to this verse in chapter nine. It says, I will fulfill what I vowed and salvation is from the Lord. And then he turns back to the God and the fish spits him back out on dry land, back on his journey. And so far, I don't know if it's just because I'm a, I'm a young parent, I don't exactly know why I think all this, but, but I, think, I feel like Jonah sounds like a little kid, like a toddler, you know? Like he's, he's like mad that he doesn't wanna go the way that God is calling him. He's like, no, I'm not gonna do this, or I'm not gonna do that, right? I mean, we've all seen the kids, they're like, I'm not gonna get in that car. And as a parent, you're like, uh, yes, you are. You know, I mean, you're like, what? Just, if you would have just gotten in there, that would have been a lot easier, right? Well, just this week when I was preparing for this, or just this couple weeks ago, I was preparing for this message, this uh, picture like popped up on my newsfeed um, on Facebook. And so this is, again, my family. A couple years ago, uh, we love going to the mountains, like I said, we do. Uh, and my wife's a photographer, so she's always taking pictures everywhere we go. You know, we like to take pictures, and our kids just know. Just get in there and smile, and, you know, 30 seconds, we're done. We can go back to our, our life. But here in this situation, we start to do this, and my, my oldest kid thinks it's really funny to go and just run in the other direction. Like, hey, I'm just gonna go do whatever I wanna do. So then I have to go and find her. I have to go pick her up and bring her back. And you guys know, whenever you go to the mountains, like picking apples or peaches or whatever you're doing, you, you think it's gonna be in the 50s, but really it's gonna be in the 80s. You're wearing flannel and long sleeves because you wanna have a good picture. You know, So that's what's going on. It's probably like 80 degrees. I'm having to chase my daughter down in this, this group of people, so it's really great. And then we just get her back, and I'm like, you know what? If you would just kind of have stood right here, this would have been a lot easier, right? Well, that's kind of what I feel like is going on here with Jonah. God's like, it would have just been a lot easier if you just would have stayed and done what I have called you to do. But now we catch up in chapter three. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. Verse two, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. So this time Jonah obeys and goes. And Nineveh is a large city, three days walk across. So on the first day of the walk, here's his sermon. And again, remember, we've been, we're three chapters in, okay? So he's had like two chapters to think about this message. He was in the belly of a fish for a few days. I mean, he had some time to think about and prep for this. So let's see what his message is, okay? Verse four, in 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. I mean, one line, okay. I know some of you guys are out there thinking, and you're like, man, this would be nice. If we could have just a one-line message every week, man, I'd be the first to lunch every time. This would be awesome, right? Some of you guys might catch a little brunch. I mean, this would be great. But this is it. I mean, you're thinking, this is, this is it. This is your one, your one thing to, to the whole city of Nineveh, and this is what you say. Let's see what happens. Verse five and six, the men of Nineveh believed in God. Even the king took off his royal clothes and put on sackcloth. They turned from their ways and turned to God. So God saw their actions and relented from the disaster that he had threatened. So we see this is a, a cool and crazy thing, right? 
Jonah preaches the message God had called him to do. He's a pastor, he's a prophet, he's doing what God's called him to do. People are turning, this, this whole city is turning back to God. He should be excited, right? Let's see what happens in chapter four, verse one. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. So we see Jonah is still upset. Jonah's upset that God forgave these people so much so he wanted to die. And Jonah knew that God would forgive these people and he is still mad about it. You ever feel that way? You know God can forgive someone, but maybe you're mad about it. Maybe they did something you didn't like or they were mean or whatever it might be. Pastor Jonathan even talks about this last week. So then Jonah leaves the city and goes to the east where he can see what's gonna happen. So he's thinking, you know what? Maybe they might turn back. Maybe they might repent from their repentance, right? They might turn back to what they were doing. And while here, the Lord appointed a plant for him uh, to grow up and give him shade. And then a day later, the Lord appointed a worm to eat the plant so that it would die. And again, Jonah says, it's better for me to die. So he's upset again because of this plant. And God says, is it right for you to be angry about something you didn't do or have control over? And then brings it back to Nineveh. He says that you cared more about this plant that you did nothing for and nothing about than you do about the people of the city. This is a crazy story. You have a prophet who didn't want to go where God called him. Then he's swallowed by a fish, turns back to God, does what he said he would do. God shows up, people are saved, and then he is mad. So here's some thoughts on, on this story, and these are some other pastors and, and scholars as I was studying this. The book of Jonah is actually a mirror of how God forgives those who are against him, and speaking about us as the reader as well. God forgives us. In a story like Jonah, we go back and forth getting upset about stuff we can't control. We're also biased about things as well, right? We see people doing bad things and God forgives them. We've all done this and we're not proud of it, right? We see someone speeding and not getting caught. We're a little upset about it, right? We're like, man, that's not fair. Or maybe we see someone cheat on a test and they don't get caught. And we're like, man, that's not fair but we don't think about our own life and how bad we are. What do we say? Well, I deserve it. It's not that bad, right? We try to downplay our sin, but we get mad at other people. A question I often get, and I've gotten often this summer as well, multiple times from people that text me, is why doesn't God remove all the bad in the world? I have a men's discipleship group, and I think I've gotten this text three times. Why doesn't God remove all the bad in the world? And the question that I, 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 I asked them is, where would he begin? Where would he begin? What do you want him to remove? He can't remove the people that sin because that would be us, right? And then when we start picking and choosing what we want God to remove, that looks like we're trying to play God's role, right? Actually, that even goes back to the garden in Genesis to the original sin when we wanted to be God. And I think Jonah's like a few stories in the New Testament that it, it kind of reminded me as I was reading this. And you guys probably know these stories. One is uh, from Luke 15, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. 
There's a young son, he, he gets, he wants his inheritance from his dad and, and that's kind of like a slap in the face, like saying, dad, I know how to live my life better than you do. So he gets his inheritance and he goes off and he spends all his money living this frivolous life. And he finds himself coming back to his dad like begging for a job and he's hoping that his dad would just let him work for him. But instead of that, his dad welcomes him in, throws a party and he's like, son, I'm so glad you're home. This is incredible. And they're celebrating that his son is back. And in steps the older brother. He just came from a long day working in the fields and he comes up and he's like, what's this party for? And he tells him, oh, this is for your, your brother that's back. We didn't know if he was alive. We didn't know what was going on, but now he's back home, so we're celebrating. And the older brother's upset. You guys probably remember this story. He's mad. He's like, what? That's not fair. This kid spent all your money. This kid left us. This kid has not been doing anything and now you're throwing him a party? I've never had any of this stuff. What are you talking about? And then the father tries to console the older son and says, listen, you've been with me this whole time. You've known that you're gonna be taken care of. I'm here, I'm here to, to help you. You're working, you got jobs, you got these things. This, old, this younger son, we didn't know if he was even alive. And now he's come back, so we're gonna celebrate. The second story that I, it makes me think of is Another story in Matthew chapter 20, another parable that Jesus is telling about a, a landowner with a vineyard. He has to, he has to harvest his, his, his crops, and so he starts going out and getting people to help him. That's what they did. They would go out in the center squares, and they would get people to help. So he goes out early in the morning, and he starts getting people, and he says, hey, I'm going to pay you a day's wage. And so throughout the day, the landowner realizes, oh man, I need some more help. So he keeps going back out and getting more people and goes more and more and more until even like the last hour of the day, he goes and gets another group of people and says, listen, we need some help. I'll pay you a day's wage, come help. So these guys get there and they work for an hour and then when it's, day, when it's time to be done, the landowner tells the foreman, he says, hey, go ahead and pay everyone. And so they line up in order from the, whoever got there last, the guys that just worked an hour and they get a day's wage. So they, you know, they're excited, they're like, this is incredible. And the people in the back are like, that's awesome. What are we gonna get? And so when it gets all the way up to the people in the back, the ones that have been there the whole day, they also get the day's wage. And they're, they're upset, they're frustrated because they're like, well, that's not fair, I've been here this whole time. What about me? And then the landowner steps in and he's like, well, we had an agreement. We said that you were gonna get your payment. And he's, these other guys, they didn't know they were gonna get paid today. They didn't know how they were gonna take care of their family. They didn't know what was gonna happen. And I think so often we want it to be fair, right? We want things to be fair and we want really things to be more in our favor. And another verse, Matthew 7, 5, you guys have probably heard of this as well, says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And what this verse is mainly talking about is so often we can, we can see other people's sins or see other people, th the things that they're struggling with, things that are going on in their life, right? And we look around and we're like, oh my gosh, this person needs to change this or I can't believe they're doing this. But so often we don't see the plank sticking out of our own eye. And it's telling us right here that we need to work on ourselves. We need to take care of the things in our own life instead of only trying to call out the things in other people. And so as, as we wrap up, I got a couple of things. These are on your notes. You can write in if you have any other thoughts on these, how we can apply this. Number one, do you need to change your attitude towards who God 
forgives? Do you need to think of your own life and remember the grace that God has given us? So often we think about other people, we're like, man, that's incredible that God forgives you, but we also gotta think about our own life as well. Romans 3, 23, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, that none of us are good enough, none of us can do this. And Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Again, it's not anything that we have done. It's not stuff that we've done on our own. It's only through what he has done for us. So we should be thankful that God forgave our sins, past, present, and future. But how can we do this? And these are some things you can write down. How can we be thankful for what God has done for us? Number one, I encourage people to have a thankful journal. This is something I did for a while, that every day, just write down one thing that you're thankful for that God has blessed you with. That could be your house, that could be your car, that could be your family, your kids, your food, or whatever it might be. Write that stuff down. It'll change your whole perspective on how you see life when you start going through your day thanking God for things. I think another one that's very similar is that each day in your devotion time is spend time thanking him. Again, thank him for things. Or as we're, maybe you're driving on the road or maybe you're dropping your kids off or maybe you have to commute to work or whatever that might be. Take some time and just thank God for little things in your life. Again, it changes your whole perspective. We try to do this every night with our kids. We have a little devotion time and then this devotion time, we, we spend time uh, thanking God and praising him for our day. And when, and when I say this, when I say we have a, a devotion time with our kids, I always just wanna make sure you hear me say this, okay? Because I, I don't want you guys to be like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. He's a pastor, he has an incredible devotion time at night. No, listen, all right? We're trying our best, but like just this week, literally I'm reading the devotion time. My three-year-old you saw in the picture does the people's elbow off of his bed onto my chest as I'm like reading the verse, Okay? So it's not like it's like a perfect thing, okay? We're not, you know, we're not perfect. We're trying to make it as well. But it's, it's about trying our best. Family devotion time, spending time, again, praying, whatever that, like a thankful journal, whatever that might be, spending time thanking and praising God for what he has blessed us with. And hopefully my kids will do that as well. And then number two, to whom or what is God calling you to? To whom or what is God calling you to? Maybe there's something God is telling you to do that you keep ignoring. Maybe you're like Jonah, you're running away from him. Or maybe there's someone who God is telling you to talk with. Maybe you have written them off or you think there's no way that person is gonna talk about church or talk about God at all. And I wanna be the first to tell you, listen, I've been having some great lunches, incredible times with guys these last couple years that said they would have never darkened the, the, the door of a church. They can't believe they're here. They can't believe their family's connected. They can't believe their kids are growing up in church. They can't believe their marriage is going well. They can't believe all these things are going well in their life. And it's all because someone invited them. One guy, his daughter went to Good News Club and said, she said, I wanna go to this church. Another guy, his, he's someone he works with invited him to church. Another one, again, just saw it and, and met someone that went to Greystone and said, hey, I wanna come check it out. And whatever church it is, I've heard these stories over and over and over. We can't write people off. We can't say well, that they're not good enough. They're not gonna make it. Because you never know, one conversation, 
And one step of obedience can change someone's life for all eternity. And what if you're the one that gets that chance to share with that person? And I think like in Jonah in this story, I think many times like Jonah, we're more concerned with our comfort than the souls of other people. And I find myself in this as well. So often I, I just want to go through life or just get the job done. Or again, like I said, my, my love language efficiency, I, I wanna just get it done, but so often that's not how it always works. So the last thing I wanna challenge you guys with, and this is something I try to challenge myself every day. When we remember what God has done for us, we should want to go out and tell other people. We remember all the many things that God has saved us from, he's blessed us with, and all these many things he's done for us. We should want to go and tell other people. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word and your truth. And God, I pray that, unlike Jonah, that we would have a repentant heart. And God, that we would turn to you and be thankful, God. I think that's one of the the things that, again, we see right here in this book that Jonah was not thankful. He was not thinking of himself. He was actually only thinking of himself and not thinking of you or the other people in the world. And I think so often, Lord, with the busyness of life and things going on with, with kids and work and sports and everything going on, Lord, we focus so much on ourselves. But God, I pray that we would just take just a few moments every day and remember all the many things you have saved us from and you have done for us. And I pray, Lord, that from those times, again, whether that's in prayer journal or, or just praying to you or, or maybe a family devotion time, whatever that is, Father, I pray that when we think of those and we remember all those, Lord, we would want to go and tell others. In your name we all pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more of these messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to visit our website, greystonechurch.com. We pray that you will have an amazing day.